Hey, welcome to Minor Details. I'm Nick. And I'm James. And we are two industrial designers in the big city. Sweating the small stuff. <laughs> we should we should coordinate that. Yeah. We, we wipe, for those wipe of our you foreheads. listening, we're wiping our foreheads. Because we're sweating. And throwing the sweat on Nick's walls. We we might be sweating by the end of the episode because I, yeah. I had to turn my AC off now and it's summertime. So we'll see what ha- <laughs> we'll see how hot my room is. What's gets. gonna be the deal in your new studio yeah uh that's the big that's the big update for me this week yeah i uh have been moving into the studio space i i mentioned that we were i was moving out of the old studio like three months ago yeah um so i haven't really updated in a while but finally into the new studio it was being renovated um and i'm super excited about about it uh yeah it's it's gonna be fully private and um yeah i don't know it's it's a mess right now <laughs> my room is a mess as well i mean i was uh i was seeing the stories i don't know if you've you shared the new space with the public yet i should i showed a little bit on my instagram stories you've yeah. got you've got some exposed beams in there oh yeah you got the That's... exposed beams the brick wall did chip and joanna Gaines? did they renovate your studio no, we do not bring those people into this podcast james <laughs> i will bring them in here <laughs> no, until they... the day i die there's no HGTV crossover with my Absolutely. details. Absolutely, come um, on! If HGTV came to us and they were like, "We want you guys," yes, if they came to us with money, yes, yeah, there, there would course. definitely be a come crossover. On. We would, yeah, we would sell out in minutes. Um, no, I'm I'm excited. Yeah, it's gonna be it's a good upgrade, and I don't know, it's it's gonna be fun. I I want to do something nice with the space and have a little podcast corner, hopefully. Yeah. Um. So yeah, maybe in a couple episodes we'll start recording from there. That'll be awesome. Um, uh, in other news, yesterday was my wife, Allison's birthday. Happy birthday, Allison. So happy birthday to my brilliant and beautiful wife. And also, it was Michael DiTullo's birthday yesterday, coincidentally. Yes, we had him on the podcast. We had him on the podcast. Great guy, great designer. Happy birthday, Michael. Happy birthday. Wait, is this going to open up the birthday floodgates, James? We, it might, <laughs> you know. Like, if HGTV is not coming to us with money, then those birthday boys, birthday girls... <laughs> You know who you are. You know how much money is in your bank account. So we're if you, if they if someone pays us, they can have a birthday shout yeah. out. Is that Speaking of which, buy a pin. Oh yeah, I think I have a pin somewhere. I don't know. Wait, where we need to illustrate. Nick, show me your sock. Oh my my we, sock. We need to illustrate how much we need this pin. Look at this, people. Look at it. If you're on the YouTube right now, look at this. This his this socks are falling apart. Okay, so so what just happened for those listening is James <laughs> grabbed my foot, held it up to the camera, and showed off that my sock actually has a hole in it and my big toe is sticking out. Yes. Which yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes your big toe needs to breathe a little. <laughs> but uh yeah, if you want to buy a pin, it'll go to my sock fund. <laughs> it's a specific sock fund. Yeah. All the money is being channeled into the sock fund. Um also, thank you guys. We had a few more orders come in this week, so yeah. uh, shout out to you guys who supported. And if you want one, go to minordetailspodcast.com, and up there in the top, there's the links to all the, yeah. the stuff. Um, but yeah, speaking of shout outs, we, last week we shouted out Bowie. Which who, was the scrubber, silicone yeah, scrubber that sil- you took with you on vacation. They're not, they're not silicone. Not? I don't know if they're, I don't think they're silicone. So like so TPR material? This is, this is what we need to get right, is when we're talking about these things, we got to get the facts right. So they do this toothbrush, which is the first product I knew of them. But they, yeah, they do this, this body scrubber, which changed my life. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the cool thing about it. So 
Like a loofah, I think you're supposed to replace a loofah every three months. And I think I said every one month, <laughs> every three months. But a Bowie, one of these guys, body scrubbers, every six months. I see. I it's see. only two a year. Uh-huh. And it's also recyclable. Interesting. So what, it, yeah. it must be some sort of. It's uh, they said it's a number number seven, like is recycling code number seven is silicone recyclable? I don't know. Is I don't silicone. I feel like silicone is a thermoset material. Uh, I don't know. Is not biodegradable. It can be recycled easily where the facilities exist. Interesting. Yeah. We need to do some research on that. Yes, but but the update with Bowie is that we we had our episode last week yeah. talking about this scrubber, and then they emailed us being like, "Hey, we listened to your podcast." Yeah, and I thought that was cool. That was really cool, and I I appreciate that. I I like, you know, I know that people listen to a lot of podcasts and they're probably inundated with ads. Our shout out to Bowie was completely organic. Like yeah. they didn't come to us for a sponsorship, but they. They liked our shout out so much that they're sending us a face face scrubber. I, th- I think they felt bad because I have been using my loofah for five <laughs> years now. So they were like they they felt like they needed to send. Yes, it. yes, you need it. So here, I, I also want to tell kind of a funny story. Back when I was at Quirky, there was an idea that came in about this thing that would allow you to travel with your loofah. And the idea was that you would essentially like oh. pull it through and I think it would like squeegee out the water and all this stuff. That's interesting. And I was like in love with this because once you go loofah, you can never go back. You know, once I mean, you washcloth is so inferior. Ugh, gosh, why don't you just, I don't know, travel back in time to the 1500s, <laughs> you animal. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like, we uh, just had a bunch of listeners that use washcloths to turn off the podcast. <laughs> I would hope you're more sophisticated than that. Uh, maybe I'm just digging further down into this grave. But but yeah, so like um, I was like the only person really passionate about this idea. And there was this thing that when we did the live uh, streams of like choosing the products to go forward with, you could do a passion plea to like get something through. And you did a and passion plea for this. I did a this passion plea for. Lufa squeegee. Yeah. The CEO like loved my my plea. He, did it go through? It didn't go. It oh. did not go through. Darn. But you know, I was talking about how much I miss my loofah during travel, and it's like something you can't travel with. It's impossible. You'd have to like microwave it or something, <laughs> you know, before you left. Do but, not microwave your loofah. No, don't. Please don't. But uh, but the Bowie thing is awesome because it dries like almost instantly, and you can you can take it wherever wherever your heart desires. So yeah. This is, uh, again, we're not sponsored by them. I just really love this product. Um, um, I'm excited to try, try mine out. Yeah. Uh, but kind of going off of that, again, we got another update on our last podcast. Yeah. I feel like we're reaching a pinnacle thing here, James. This where, is pretty amazing. Where we have enough people listening to the podcast in the design industry that we actually get feedback on our questions that we're asking about yeah. these designs. We're, we've, got, we've got insiders. Yes. We've got inside information into some of these companies that we're talking about. And, and last week we talked about the new Bose 700, I yeah. believe, headphones, which were a quite... A, a drastic deviation from the traditional like dad Bose headphones, right? Um, and I we we did have some connections with people that had worked at Bose before. I I remember seeing some emails, um, and so you know we can't disclose too much detail, but uh, I think from what I remember, I think 
our guesses were kind of correct. Yes. I I think I had mentioned that I that I th- had thought that there was a a big leadership change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe there from from the email that we read there was. Yes. Um, and it does seem like there's a group of designers that are sort of leading the charge within Bose to evolve. Right. The because I was looking like after after my comments about the headphones, which I I still feel are fairly r- relevant. Like I feel like the new headphones are something that if I saw, I would associate them more with Sony than mm. Bose. Yeah. Um, but you know there are details like there is a slight volcano with the old headphones. It's just kind of covered up by mm. where. The, uh, the headphones connect to the uh, headband. So there's like some details of the design that cross over. Yeah. I also, yeah, I mean, I think something important important to note that uh, that we were reading in our uh, email with, with some, some connections is that uh, Bose does understand that their dad headphone style is a large market for them. Right. Like, they don't want to lose that. Um, so I, I think that's why it's kind of this... Uh, split path yeah and it's such a drastic split path it almost seems like bose should spin off a like a uh, uh, a new brand right you know uh, like how bang and olsen has b and o play oh yeah i kind of feel like that would be a nice move yeah and i was kind of wondering if that was if that was the idea if they were going to have their sort of like more um like lifestyle engineering brand. driven you know sort sorts of designs right. like quality driven or not necessarily quality driven but yeah, performance-driven versus sort of like a lifestyle-type brand. And I mean, you know, dad dad shoes and, and dadness, that's a lifestyle in its own. <laughs> yes, uh, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, it is interesting. It definitely feels like something where they are trying to broaden their audience and even, even maybe globally because I think that that association to something like Sony is not necessarily a bad one because Sony is an like a very much an international company, and I wonder with Bose, yeah, if they have as much of an international reach, um, you know, because like, yeah, I just have no idea what their reach is like outside of the United States. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, it it definitely reminds me of, uh, which which Sony headphones are they? Yeah, I thought these guys. The the Sony WHH nine hundred. Mm, yes, that is similar. But but the the Bose has that post going through the center, which which very much, you know, separates themselves from from this pair of headphones. Right. I mean, I think generally the direction that Bose is going is great. Like, obviously, I'm all for really cool looking design. So yeah, I I don't know. I I, I think, think it's just it's like the brand is not there. Right. I think I would like. I think I would almost rather them see them lean into like sometimes you're like with a brand and and we can only tell this after a few years of like maybe seeing more things emerge out of this direction. But sometimes I would rather see a brand lean into what they've been known for and like maybe refine refine that rather than like maybe a more radical departure from where they were. I mean, I, I, I like the new design language i just think it needs to be rebranded similar to the bno play right like what i was saying right yeah like, that makes like sense. you have you have the bows which is meant for dads and then you have the nose which is meant for <laughs> use no it's bows and bose bose yeah okay <laughs> we can start brainstorming new brands yes uh so you're welcome bose we've uh we've just solved your whole branding crisis <laughs> kidding um 
Boop, 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 boop. Ooh. Design news. It's the Ooh. moment it's the moment you guys have all been waiting for. The design news of the week. Yes. Jonas Brothers are back. No, and they James, have a brand James new James album. Oh, and gosh. it is knocking the doors off your stereo. The Bose headphones are what you need in order to listen to the Jonas Brothers album in full detail. Okay, that is not what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, this is the highly debated on the internet right now. Uh, the new Apple Mac Pro oh, man. was released this last week. And man, did people get heated about it. It was it was a it was a fired up internet for sure. Yes. And, and, and the Instagram community as well. There was all sorts of commentary. The tech community, like all around. Everyone was yeah. talking about this thing. And I mean like that's in, that in itself is kind of a success, right? For sure, yeah. Like all for, press, all pre, all. What is it? Bad press is good press. All press is good press. All press is good press. Yeah, um, yeah. For those who may have been living under a rock, <laughs> I, or mom, you know, you're not. I know you don't live under a rock, but I know you probably <laughs> haven't seen this yet. Uh, Apple released a new professional uh, computer, the Mac Pro, and it's what a uh, extruded, I would say, rectangle. Mm-hmm. with these aluminum bent or bent stainless steel sorry handles on top yeah you know very polished mere finish and then the most uh debated part of this whole thing is these large circular hole pattern yeah on either end of this rectangle yes yeah nick and, yeah and i i don't know i i feel like i want to hear what because you and I were looking at this earlier this week. Yeah. And we definitely had our very first reactions. Right. And then I feel like over time, we've had time to sit on it and think on it. And so I kind of want to hear what your thoughts are on this thing. In terms of design, in it, just in and of itself, I still don't feel like I'm that big of a fan okay. of especially the pattern. Okay. Like, I think the pattern is is, is an interesting pattern. It feels, the whole device feels very utilitarian versus design. Like, you know, in terms of the legacy of Macs and MacBook Pros, or not MacBook Pros, Mac Pros. Right. And, you know, it's funny because I, I heard people talking about, like, the trash can is dead, the cheese grater is, you know. Right. It's Everyone's like, calling this thing the cheese grater. Everybody, and apparently the, the last one was referred to as the trash can, right. which was the cylindrical one, which I actually thought was really nice. And and to be fair, also, the one previous, the one two generations ago before the trash can uh, also did have this rectangular uh, form with a whole pattern on it, a much smaller whole pattern. Yes. Pattern, and it was also still referred to as a cheese grater. Yes. But maybe not as heavily. No, it doesn't, because that's the thing is, I think I think because of how large the holes are right. this on one this is new like one. Very, it, you can definitely see the cheese grater. Yes. In this guy. Um, the one thing, the one thing that really, truly bugs me about the design, and let me see if I can get a view of the back. But I feel like with such a large pattern, it's it's almost impossible to get like the back side of it where they have oh where the ports are where the ports are and I'm trying to find that maybe I should put ports in there and like the the holes I mean I don't know how big they are I I think generally they're they're fairly large I would say you could stick your finger in one right yes it does seem so. That but but that's that's the other thing about assessing this design is 
there's one thing to assessing it when it's just images on a screen. But the the one really cool thing about this whole unveiling and the experience was the AR feature yeah. on the phone. You can go to Apple Store or Apple Apple.com, check out the uh, Mac uh, section, and then click the AR button, and you can kind of, you know, your, your phone screen flips around or your camera flips around, and you can place it in your room or something to yeah. see how big it will look. Yeah, I'm. This is infuriating. I'm trying to find a picture of the back. It's like they're intentionally hiding it because they know that it it <laughs> wasn't right, well, it wasn't that great of an integration. Let Let me explain this whole pattern. Okay, a little bit explain more. Explain it. So, from what from what I was reading, and I, I've seen some speculation online and stuff like that. Um, you know this this whole pattern. You know the circles are about the size of your finger. It, it appears so, um, and. You know, it's essentially milled out of aluminum, as Johnny does. Oh yeah, aluminum. <laughs> and what's unique about it is, if you think about it, it's it, there's these round spherical mill milling bits that go in and create this kind of staggered hole pattern. But they only go in about halfway, and then the then the aluminum sheet is flipped over mm. and milled with the exact same pattern on the back. Yeah, which creates this kind of off-centered hole pattern right so within the holes you see almost this secondary like hole of the backside yeah um so like it's it's a very complex pattern yes um and and there's functional reasons for it uh mainly cooling i think is what they referred to right um yeah, and and so I I finally did find an image of the back side of it. And this is one of those things that you find when you're creating patterns and the pattern, especially if you have a large pattern, if you in uh intersect something with that, it's much it's much more jarring than a smaller hole pattern. Right. So the, these ports on the back is just a rectangular port like housing and yeah. obviously it cuts through these large hole patterns and you know, it's, the the holes are too large to kind of like delete certain holes, so you had to cut holes in half. Yeah. And now you have a bunch of like, I don't know, half holes, and so it looks a right. little weird. So it to me, it feels like oh well, it's on the back. You know, and, and I know that it's not as simple as that, and I and I recognize the designers are much more sophisticated than that. Yeah. But that's just like my initial feeling. There was one thing that I feel like you know when we talked about it at first because we kind of saw this at the same time yeah we were we were working together and and like immediately started debating about (laughs) it but one thing that you said to me that actually made me feel more positively about it was this idea that like this thing looks like a lunar lander it looks like yeah you know this thing is going to space next week right so so here here's my thoughts on this whole thing I when I first saw this, I was actually like blown away. I thought mm. this was like a very new and exciting, refreshing design from Apple. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the stuff in the past has all been very simple, clean, solid. You know, aluminum. Yeah, like just like as minimal as possible. And they come up with this very unique and you know possibly jarring pattern. Yeah, and also this like very utilitarian stainless steel. You know handle and i was like whoa this thing looks like something i've never seen before yeah this thing does look very technical mm-hmm. you know it does look like something a pr- professional would use right. right um yeah and that's something that you have to keep in mind about this is that 
this device is not for, you know, it's not for us. It's not. It's not for us. It's not for like our parents. Right. It's not for like the casual this is PC not, user. This is not a consumer product. This is. This is something for people who are using this. Like they're using it for the power of the of the device because right. they need powerful devices. Yeah. There's definitely definitely I saw a little bit of debate about like why is this product? It, it's an expensive thing. Like yeah. I think what it starts at like five thousand goes up to like 40,000. Like, yeah. I don't really know the pricing. But yeah, it, the the thing the thing that's very much a a large element to this design is like this handle that's on the top which you twist and pull up and you can basically like expose all of the innards so right. you can modify it. Mo- yeah. Add in all your graphics cards and storage and things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I was listening to like MKBHD talk about it and talk about how excited he is in terms of like the amount of power that he can potentially get out of this device. Yeah. I mean, this thing is a workhorse for sure. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that has to be kept in mind when you're thinking about like, why did they make these decisions? Why does this look like so utilitarian versus... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I almost think of it as like a Lamborghini, right? Yeah. It's like if, if someone walked up to a Lamborghini, I was like, why is this car look so crazy? This is insane. <laughs> or why is it half a million dollars? I can't buy that. Right. Well, yeah, it's not for you. That's the whole point. Right. I, that's an inter- it's that's a perfor- interesting, it's a performance product. Right. I, I would think, I would think of it rather as like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a really technical piece of equipment. Right. I guess that- like the aesthetic of Lamborghini doesn't match. Yeah. I, I don't know, like walking up to a CNC machine or a lunar lander and being like, this is, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. <laughs> what is this? Like there's, there's no, you know, and so it feels like it's very functionally driven. Like the feet especially feel like, feel like something that's very functionally driven. Yeah. Um, somebody at our, at our office was pointing out other devices, other sort of like testing equipment devices mm-hmm. that it seems to maybe take inspiration from. Um, uh, but it's interesting. And then there was also the whole, you know, the whole thing about the stand for the monitor. Right. So yeah, they people freaked out about, they, re- they released a monitor as well with this Mac pro. Yeah. And the monitor has the same exact kind of hole pattern. Oh, another unique thing I was reading about the hole pattern is that, you know, those kind of like off-centered holes was actually a pattern that they had sitting around the office for many years oh. before they actually used it in this Mac Pro. Right. Like it was just something that they had explored, explored, experimented with, thought was really unique and interesting. And I also want to say uh, another point to my, my argument about this Mac Pro being amazing is that this is a very unique pattern. I have not seen this pattern ever no in my life sure you could point out that oh yeah you've seen other hole patterns or maybe some offset hole patterns but the whole idea of milling out these spheres and kind of seeing this you know offset sphered hole pattern is really interesting yeah i feel like i saw i saw something somewhere where where it was actually like a cutaway of what that hole pattern actually looks like sort of in cross section yeah we can post an image of it um i'll i'll find that but uh but yeah, and and so people were getting pretty outraged about the stand right, for the monitor because they sell the Apple is selling the monitor stand or the monitor separate from the stand. Yes. So if you want to buy the monitor, you have to buy the stand. But it something that was that was pointed out is like they could have just said like, oh, 
like this whole package is this much money <laughs> right. instead of and then if you don't calling want the stand, out yeah if you don't it's want the stand a little bit cheaper yes but they they specifically called out how expensive the stand itself right is. it's a thousand dollar stand but uh I've seen a lot of articles. Core 77 had an article about how, like, uh, you know, beautiful a piece of engineering this is. It's a beautiful stand for sure. Yeah. So, you I, know. I, I think another thing to mention on the, I mean, we, we could, this whole episode could be about this right. Apple thing. But another thing is that, again, this is a professional product. Right. And a lot of professionals already have a workstation that is set up. Right. And then they just want to swap out a monitor. They already have their own stands. They already have their articulating mm. arms. Right. So I think that's kind of why they angled it where the stand was separate. Is like, yeah. you know, a lot of these, you know, film studios or animation houses are probably not going to need stands. Some might. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of them already kind of have their workspaces set up. If they just want to upgrade it to the monitor, they can without yeah. having to buy that extra stand. Yeah. And it looks like, is the is the whole pattern on the monitor slightly different or is it exactly the same? I believe it's the same. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. So this, this monitor can swivel to like a vertical screen or a horizontal screen and it can... Go up and down as as you would would hope from a, from a monitor. Um, so yeah, I mean it's an interesting step for Apple. It feels like luxury utility. Yeah, um, I think it's awesome. <laughs> of course you do. I'm a little fanboy though. Yeah. So my my opinion's biased a little bit, <laughs> or a lot of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm still like, I think I can appreciate it for what it is and for the market that it's for. But there's just, there's certain aspects to it that I'm not like, I, I mean, yes, this pattern has not been seen before, but but also like, you know, Fuse Project and Yves Bihar has has been exploring unique patterns for the last like 10 years. Yeah. And, it uh, ma- and it made him who he was. It did make him who he was. I, and I, so, think, I think in 10 years, this will be iconic design. We'll see. But the, but what I'm saying is, is that like lauding Apple for using this kind of pattern, it's like... My point is, is that Isbahar has been doing this for a long time. Right. Like Apple, you're kind of behind the you're kind of behind the, the train. Here. Well, yeah, I don't think Apple is the first to do anything. They're no. all, they're always the first to do something right. Right. Um. Only time will tell. Yeah. All right. We we won't drag on too long about this Apple stuff because we, <laughs> we we could we could. Uh, Another piece of design news. We thought this was fun. So. Yeah. You guys should join the Discord because this is what happens in the Discord. Yes. Our, uh, which our, which section is it in? Uh, unrelated to design. Um, How is this unrelated to design? <laughs> our uh, good friend and fan and aspiring industrial designer, Chris Ference, pointed this out the other day. He had bought a, a new Muji pen. Yeah. Just the simple ballpoint pen. And the cap was different. Yeah. And so I'm trying to figure out how to explain this to people who are just listening. I mean, the original Muji cap, it's a cylinder. Yes. And has a little clip on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, at the point where the clip and the cylinder of the cap meet, there's just kind of this, uh, I don't know. Tab. S- stem tab. Yeah. That is kind of hidden underneath the clip. The clip is just a rectangle, right? Yes. Yeah, it's just kind of an offset extrusion tab that connects the clip to the cap. Right. Whereas, so the new design is something almost more like a teardrop yeah. shape. So it still has the, the top. S- it still has a cylindrical cap. Yeah, and it still has the rectangular clip, but they don't connect with that simple stem anymore. They kind of have these two T 
tangent wings coming off yeah and attaching i mean from a top view it looks like like a teardrop or like a i almost think like a hot hot air balloon almost yeah that's a good yeah a hot air balloon without the carriage yeah or no it is a hot air like it's almost a, it, it's almost a full hot air balloon yeah you could go up in that bad boy <laughs> Well, you know, we were kind of speculating as to why, because, you know, I think that your first instinct is like, oh, you know, the first cap design, the original cap design has this stem, this singular stem, and maybe Muji changed it to this, uh, you know, two wing design because it was stronger Mm. and people were snapping off the first design too easily. But it's strange because, so I obviously own Muji pens. I use Muji pens. Yes. Uh, I, I made a whole project out of Muji pens, uh, but I have never found that the that the clip has any sort of weakness. Right. And, and the people in the Discord seem to agree. And that's what everyone else agreed too. And maybe we we're just responsible. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I thought this was interesting. And yeah, it's like these minor details yeah. are are some things that sometimes they just go unnoticed right um i I would really like to know the story behind this yeah i feel like muji would not make a point about this they would you know they would not call this out in some sort of press release i mean not that not that i know of and i feel like why would you but it is it is something interesting it also feels like especially because this thing is in your pocket like there's now this hole where you know you have the teardrop like right. between where the clip is and then the the cap begins there's a hole in between there because i guess i'm guessing that's how the action is yeah and I, the, I like that feels like somewhere where you would collect lint and things because this thing is in your pocket all the time yeah a few thoughts were like maybe it was easier to manufacture but again after looking at it it doesn't it doesn't really seem like it Mm-mm. i mean we're not we're not mold engineer engineers yeah and that's the thing is like muji of all the companies you know that like in their kind of sector they're kind of i would say they're known for just like immaculate plastics manufacturing Mm -hmm. so there must be a good reason for this and maybe it was a failure rate at the factory like maybe the molding of this caused a lot of issues for some reason and and failure rate because that can be a huge factor is yeah. like you design something it's being made at the factory and there is an accepted amount of like failure rate for for something to get molded like an acceptable because they inspect everything yeah and if it's off just a little bit they will reject that piece right. and just grind it back up so maybe maybe this is a better design in that in that way yeah i i don't i it's hard to speculate i I think what we should i i would really like i don't know if you guys have any connections (laughs) if you're listening right now and you know someone at muji yes like anyone maybe it could just be an intern or something yeah we got to get in there yes another one i know the story behind this another minor detail and i'm not sure if this is from the the photograph or not but the the lettering on the top it seems to be lighter uh the the 0.5 where they have it uh labeled on the top of the cap yeah the size of the ink seems to be lighter on the newer one Mm -hmm. so it's it's probably easier to read and also seems a little bit shorter like this one seems more elongated but again that could be the photograph i would have to look at them in person to know for sure the typeface does look a little different yeah but 
it's very interesting and thank you chris ference for uh submitting that to the uh, discord so yeah. we could talk about it these are the these are the cool things you'll find on the discord yes absolutely um so nick this this kind of actually i mean we're talking we were talking about the mac pro and we're we're thinking about all these things about like what makes a success and what makes a failure we're just talking about failure rates with the <laughs> Pen, not that it segues necessarily but i'm trying to make good segues here dang it i appreciate your segues james so uh something that you had brought up in conversation uh a couple months ago was this idea that we often talk about success and failure but there's also this area in between and we're calling it maybe mediocrity here but i don't know if it's necessarily mediocrity yeah but there's there are gradations in between. Yeah, I I this is something that like I've realized is you know it's always fun to be like hey look at this cool success I did or hey I failed at this thing isn't this funny I, <laughs> I learned from it I'm going forward right yeah and you know we always praise those two things and they're the two you know opposite ends of the spectrum but the entire middle section is the majority yeah. of what happens to a lot of things right they they don't really fail they don't really succeed like oh hey maybe you made a product and got on the market and sold a few and then it eventually phased out and right. no, no one ever really remembers it right it's not a success a success it's not a failure like it still made money for the company right but you know like i don't know it, it's it's something that i've been thinking about and i just I don't know what your thoughts are. Is on there it. well? Is there any product in particular, or or anything that kind of sparked this idea? Um, I mean, certainly, I have examples from my own career. I think mm-hmm. of like products and and just things I've tried that you know weren't successful, but not also didn't fail. Right. I mean, the one thing that I remember trying was my Patreon page. Mm. Uh, if you remember that from last year, I tried that and. You know, it was successful in the sense that, like, I got up to maybe $200 a month, which is, like, a good amount of, of cash to have every month. Yeah. But also, it wasn't really growing or taking off. Yeah. And I don't think it that was, like, a failure, per se. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it was kind of maybe in that mediocre zone. And that's the hard thing, is that when something's in that mediocre zone, do you push it farther to see if it will succeed or do mm. you just cut it off and just say hey i gotta i gotta cut the slack mm. well i mean the one thing that it makes me think is like okay so you can there you can fail you can only succeed in one way but you can fail in maybe two ways like one way you can fail is by just like not producing a good product like you just don't know how to do it like you're not experienced enough or like it's just it's it's like not ever going to potentially be a success okay you know um i'm thinking about myself in in school and and like (laughs) trying to make good design but it just doesn't happen right okay because you you lack the experience or whatever Mm -hmm. but then there's another type of failure and I'm talking specifically just within design. Okay. But the other type of failure is something like what could have happened with the Mac Pro is like there is there's a push to do something and to create a success, but you're not sure that that success is guaranteed. Mm. Like you are striving for something that right. is 
better than what's out there or drastically different, making a new statement. But you don't, you aren't really too sure if that statement will be a success or a failure. And, but it can, it can go to failure. Yeah. I mean, I think the riskier, here's another interesting thought. Yeah. I feel like the riskier you design like with the Mac Pro for, per se. Yeah. Like that's a pretty fairly risky design for Apple. To yeah. It's like really crazy pattern. I feel like that can kind of skew your your success or failure. So there isn't really much of a mediocrity gap. Right. right? It's like people are going to love it or people are going to hate it. Yeah. It's like the, like, you know, thinking about just Apple products in general, I think about the Apple TV and it's like, the Apple TV, I feel like the it's just box. kind of like a no-duh, like this is an Apple, just like extruded, rounded rectangle. Right. And like they're not pushing anything there. Like they're maybe more focused on the experience. Yeah. But they're, when it comes to the design itself, it's just like, it's just kind of a no-duh product. Right. And it's not necessarily going to be in in the design itself, the physical design. It's not going to be this wild success or this wild failure. But the Mac Pro, it's like because of the strong statements they're making with the design, it's it is going to skew there. That like gap is going to widen between yeah. how far they can fa- fail or how far they can succeed. At least in design terms. Yes. In the actual function of the computer, that's a different story. Yes, but yeah, mediocrity. I you know I feel like when we when we think about mediocrity, maybe it is just you know something where the stakes aren't that high or you're not making the stakes that mm. high or or like maybe it doesn't require that the stakes be that high May, yeah maybe it's well first of all maybe it's okay to land in the middle yeah um maybe that's fine i also think if you land in the middle maybe it's because you didn't take a big enough risk right um and then i also another thing i was thinking about is something that i feel is completely completely underrated today and that's consistency Mm. i don't think anyone is consistent enough yeah i think consistency really helps anything in your life yes um you know whether whatever you try i feel like if you want to try something and give it like a good shot it should be consistent yeah well (laughs) this i feel like this topic can kind of ever expand because i feel like I guess something, that's a different something idea, that, isn't it? <laughs> something, that, something that often holds, like, even me back from trying sometimes is because, like, I'm, I'm worried about the success or the failure. And so, like, then there's this, there's probably a large portion of designers who just never try towards success because they're concerned about failure. And instead of, like just working on that consistency yes. because like the consistency, because I think that, you know, there's another part to design and, and a designer's work in that, like maybe a design seems mediocre or just like, this is good design. Like this is just middle of the road, but in the context of a body of work actually can have much more impact or, or seem much more successful because it's a part of a larger story mm. of somebody's I, yeah. entire career. I mean, I guess I kind of think of Braun in that sense. If you pulled a Braun product out, 
of context and just sat it down it you know it doesn't necessarily seem like anything extravagant well right maybe that's a bad example but uh i would say i would say that's a good example because brawn products even by like Dita Ram's own credo, it's like they're not calling attention to themselves necessarily. They're like, they're sort of like in the background. It's, it's kind of like Dita Ram's was like, hey, I know Braun is mediocre, but that's what makes it successful. <laughs> <laughs> this is norm core, dang it. I, that was actually a direct quote from one of his board meetings. Norm core? <laughs> Did Dita Rams start Normcore? He started that Normcore. Wow. Um, That's so Normcore. Well, <laughs> but no, at the time it was, but I, you know, I think of like, even like Ikea furniture, you know, it is sort of this like, like a lot of it is sort of like non-offensive design. It's not pushing for success or pushing for failure. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, there's a, there should be another, there should be another term and it, and like again, I feel like I always reference this Paul Rand quote about like, and I always get it wrong as well. But so I'm gonna look it up. Um, it's like it's something about trying to be great and just instead, oh yeah, don't try to be original, just try to be good. So so Paul Rand is referring to the fact that don't try to be on the polar opposite end, just try to be in the middle. Yeah, his that was that was his thing. But it's interesting because I feel like Paul Rand's design is actually very it's very unique and has a lot of character to it. Hmm. Like his design, I would say, is not like it is interesting. But I think but I think maybe what he's talking about is the intention going into the work. Like if your intention going into the work is being interesting, then you're not going to end up with anything good. But maybe if you try to make something good, it will turn out interesting. Like what is your motivation going into the project? Right. Because I know from personal experience, having like really lofty goals around a project can, can often can maybe keep you from pushing things forward at like a steady pace. And and I think that is why it like, you really should just focus on being consistent Mm -hmm. because that's, what's really going to prove out whether it's going to be a a success or failure, or if it's going to just be in the middle, because you can't like if, if I went into the Patreon thing, right. And I posted like, 10 videos in one month and then i don't know you know only got like three people to join i'd be like oh this this is a whole failure like yeah. throw it away but because i was consistent i felt like i really had a good test run you know i right. did it for i did it for six months yeah and i worked on it consistently you know not overworking it not underworking it but it came out and at the very end i was like okay i can realize that okay, maybe this isn't the right thing. It wasn't a success, but it also wasn't a failure. Right. But I did learn from it. Yeah. I think overall it's good. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think I often fall prey, and, and as I was just saying, to this idea that, like, if it's not a success, it's a failure, and I that will make me hesitate from from taking action. I, I, this is, this is, I feel like we shouldn't be afraid of, of the the polarizing thing of success and failure yeah i'm more afraid of the center <laughs> like i would much rather like crash and burn mm. or succeed right than be in the center right yeah absolutely but i think like but but you also talk about consistency which i feel like 
is can be sort of seen as this middle ground mm. because I think I think in people's minds success is this like Herculean mm. push to like right. like today I'm gonna change the world right. yeah and, that's a lie yeah and and I think that that those are like sort of insurmountable odds and like I, I think we need to be more more interested in the in like the training of like the consistency of something, you know? Yeah. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes a ton of sense. <laughs> I feel like we had some some things in there that were interesting. I don't know. <laughs> what, are you not happy with this conversation? <laughs> I'm... I'm. Um, Wait, I, you think this was a failure? No, I don't. Or was this just mediocre? It was mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> we landed in the middle, guys. No, I, I think... No, I think you're right in that, like, consistency is key. And I think a lot of people are held back because they think they have to strive for success like or else like and they are afraid of failure instead of the slow chipping away maybe maybe it's framed like this you start out at failure like ground zero you start a failure let's just say like mm -hmm. theoretically and then with consistency you slowly move up to success hmm. and if you aren't consistent enough you end up in the mediocre hmm. uh, center Interesting. But if you are consistent enough, you actually do succeed. Yeah. Uh, that's a, just another idea. Yeah. But we would love to hear what you think about success and failure and, and where you see yourself. Like, you know, have you had any projects where you feel like they were a success or they were a failure? And, and how did you determine the success or the failure? I want to hear the middle ground, though. And That's what I'm interested yeah. in. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and like... I want to hear your I mediocre project. <laughs> Because no one ever talks about it. Well, but but here's here's the other thing, and it's like the whole beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Somebody's somebody's mediocre project could be a successful project to somebody else based on like how they qualify mm, success or that failure. Is, that is interesting as well. And um, I mean, I think that this could also go back to our whole conversation about famous design, good design, iconic design, like there there are some things that are just going to be perceived as some people as like that's beautiful that's successful that's a failure based on these criteria mm. and you know whether it be a minimalist looking at postmodernism or a postmodernist looking at minimalism there's a, yeah that's interesting it's all about perspective as well yes so um yeah, it's a, it's an interesting topic, and we would love to hear what you think about it. So join the Discord. Join the Discord, or send us an email: minordetailspodcast at gmail dot com. Um, yeah, there's a link to the Discord, I think, on the Instagram page. Yes, at minordetailspod. So, uh, so yeah, let us know. Yeah, um, and then of course every week we like to answer questions from our audience, and uh, if you have a question yourself, uh, or we actually have a Google voicemail that we haven't used oh, in a while, yeah. so. Yeah, send what send a voicemail in. Um, you probably get uh, you probably get played on the podcast if you do. Absolutely. The number is one six four six four nine four forty eleven. Oh yeah. And don't worry, we won't pick up. You don't have to be scared. <laughs> I know all those millennials don't like to leave voicemails. <laughs> um, but this week we had a question come from Ignacio, and they ask, "What do you think is the value of traveling for a designer? Do you think it's necessary?" I was thinking maybe learning about new cultures and finding fresh inspiration can be very beneficial. But 
out of reach for many designers, especially students. Hmm. Nick? I mean, I certainly agree. Like having a wide cultural experience can you know, impact your design in only a positive way. Right. Um, I think the, the interesting thing about this question is the fact that not everyone has, you know, the freedom or, uh, you know, money to travel right. around the world. It's a, it's a privilege to be able to travel. Absolutely. But I think, um, I think maybe for those who are not able to do those kind of trips, like, you know, the travel to Europe, you know, where, wherever. Google the, Maps Street View. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. VR, baby. <laughs> VR. Oh, there is Google Earth and VR. Yeah. We should try that out. But uh, I think, I think any kind of, I think any kind of travel, if you just like are getting in your car and going to the farmer's market or like, you know, getting out there just in your town or like, I think just getting just getting outside in general yeah. and and watching people in the world like i think um i think michael graves his like infamous teapot with the uh little bird on with top. the bird on the top i think that was actually inspired by like a craftsman's teapot that he saw somewhere like at some sort of market oh that's interesting. um and so you know there's things like that like i mean one could argue that depending on what country you're you are designing in it's like shouldn't you be traveling within that country to observe the people and the inspiration like maybe like maybe studying abroad like it can certainly broaden your perspective but yeah if you're in america designing for americans like what is appealing to them like how are they interacting with the world i think i mean america in general is a huge country yeah and a lot of people have not even been to like other sides of the country no or even to the middle of the country and i mean there are there are aspects i mean obviously we have a melting pot type situation like especially where we are in new york like if you can come to new york like you can get a lot of cultural experiences just within this city itself Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah i mean i think i think just like just to get out there and and just witness the world around you can be a lot of inspiration as to your work. I like that. That I think that's great advice, James. Yeah, just travel with what you have right now. Yeah. You know, if it's just down the street, that's okay too. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz like, you know, if you're trying if you're trying to get inspiration cuz we are becoming this global economy, but I, you know, I think we talked about this in a pre- prior podcast, but it's like if if you're trying to take inspiration from all cultures around the world, like maybe your design or you're trying to appeal to all cultures in the world, maybe your design just becomes this like bland mm, thing. Right. Whereas like if if you're engaged in in the culture of your country and you're finding these like little quirks like Michael Graves did at this market with this little bird, like, you know, that that is more of a human touch mm. than trying to appeal to this broader audience. I I will also say there's other ways to get somewhat some cultural like references. I mean, certainly joining communities oh, yeah. that have a diverse group. Yeah, um, I know our Discord has people from all around the world. Right. Um, you know, just talking to other people that have different perspectives. I think that's another way to yeah. to get some of that inspiration and, and cultural influence. 
Yeah. Obviously, obviously being in the place is a little bit better, but yeah. And also just like books, movies. Yeah. Like, you know, those, those things are transporting us in a way. Like it might not be that you're in like France at a cafe, but right. you could read about it and you can read about an author's description of their experience at that cafe, sure. or you can watch a film and get that experience I mean, I don't think you should underestimate the power that media can play in your exposure to the world at large. Are you looking at me, James? I am looking at you, Nick. <laughs> Watch some dang movies for once. Um, but yes. Oh, man. Thanks for sending in, Ignacio. Yes, thank you. All right. We have our second question here. You want to read this one, James? Uh, yes. This is from S- Similvar. Um, sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Uh, they ask, how would you approach the problem of convincing people around you, clients, managers, our bosses, or just people in general, about the value of good des- that good design can have in their lives? This is especially important in developing countries where industrial design hasn't yet caught on, where designers have to be both designers and design evangelists. Thanks for considering my question and for making the podcast, guys. Well, thank you for the question. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, this one's a it's a, it's a little bit tough because, you know, I think generally in America, design is is valued to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in other countries, I'm not exactly sure about what what the the cultural norm is. I mean, I know I I've definitely had a lot of messages like just on my Instagram of people being you know maybe in the Middle East and saying like, hey, no one really, there's no really design jobs out here. No one really hmm. values design. Hmm. And yeah, I'm not exactly sure how you how you evangelize that. I mean, I think my first thought is you just start comparing examples like Apple and saying like, hey, look, Apple's like one of the largest or the most valuable companies in the world. And yeah. look at what they're doing with design. Right. You know, it obviously has some impact for a business. Yes. I mean, that's how <laughs> I would go about that it. That is, I mean, that is like, it is great to have companies like that and and you know other companies who follow suit behind them and approach design with the same amount of rigor i mean i would say that like microsoft has made a big push in recent years to increase the like their design their the, you know i would say what they're doing i would say definitely we are in or we we have definitely gone through that design renaissance i think apple definitely popularized it in the tech sphere yeah. of like hey look we're actually caring about how this thing looks. Right. And they really they really got a big boost from that. Yeah. Know, initially, especially in the iPod era. But I think um I think I'll I'll try to provide maybe uh you know, I don't know how much how much validity this idea has, but I think like especially in countries where yeah, maybe the design hasn't reached there yet, but they like I think you can go to a lot of countries and you can find things like cathedrals or places that have been built for maybe religious purposes mm, or or just like you know there's in every culture there there is beauty right. that is nothing more than just to be beautiful and right. to inspire and I think that maybe you can make some connection there that hmm. like design while it also like while it solves a problem 
and and maybe this is not necessarily relating to what you're asking about. Maybe you are talking more about the problem solving aspect, which I feel like can be demonstrated given time and just going through the design process. Uh, but like on the beauty side of design, I think you can make a case using sort of like what the culture already has has you know res like erected in terms of like what is beautiful right that's what, interesting you know what is you know what they consider beautiful and and in terms of like and things that they use so like equating design in that idea to something that the culture culture values from a beauty standpoint yeah like if they have a and- a beautiful. functional and a beautiful standpoint, because if you think about something like a cathedral right. or some sort of religious space, it's not just a beautiful place, but it's also a very functional place. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not sure about this, but I feel like other cultures would value architecture right. more than industrial design. Right. And so maybe you could kind of equate it down that path yeah, somehow. that's true. Yeah. And then the other thing I think is it's just... There's no easy answer to this. I think it is like we were just talking about in terms of consistency. I think it's like a slow, steady process. Right. It's like not you're like not going to with one presentation switch. be like, and <laughs> this is design. And they and just throw money. Just, <sighs> they just throw money. They go crazy. I think like it is something where you need to if you're designing within that community, you need to engage that community consistently. Like I think forming personal relationships and just interjecting those things within your conversations with, right. with these people, like eventually yeah. that's going to just seep into them by osmosis. For sure. It's, it's, it's a slow, steady pace. Yeah. And you just have to demonstrate like, like especially with design thinking, like I think you can really demonstrate the power of good design if you take them through the process and if you involve them in the process they're going to be excited about it too i think i think also if someone gets a successful design like if you get a client and you work with them and they're open to it and they succeed yeah then you can also use that as leverage for your next client and be like oh hey look I had this past client. We worked on this project. Yeah. And it actually went went really well. Right. I mean, that's a, a very good case scenario to happen. Yeah. But, you know, over time, you can get that to happen. Yeah. I, I would also like to point out a project that I remember from school that a couple classmates did that I thought was really beautiful. And it was done by Ayan Bandari, Case Lowendyke, and Oscar Salguero um, with uh, the faculty member being Akshay Sharma. So they did this... this um, it was for it was for microfinancing for like developing countries for India. I'm just surprised that you know so oh, many names. Hey, James. hey, man, you know, <laughs> uh, but they they were designing this thing for women who they were, you know, who were being provided with these microfinances in like who were illiterate this way to keep track of their money. Oh, that's interesting. And what they ended up doing was, I believe, if memory serves, was using a popular Indian game uh. in order to then make that tie to like hmm. the the accounting of their money um, so that they could keep track of those things. And, uh, you know, Akshay Sharma, professor of Virginia Tech, he's Indian and he's done a lot of these projects taking students over to India in order to find problems to solve. Yeah. And it is like they're, you know, 
understanding the culture and what is within that culture, what they're, what they're used to. Like if somebody were to come to America and be like, oh, well, there's, it's like they would be like, oh, there's Monopoly. People know Monopoly. Right. This is how we can associate. Finding those associations so that you can more quickly connect the dots is is a, a really important part of design, even like wherever you're designing, like in order to make something seem useful, usable, uh, have utility. Yeah. Um, so anyway. No, that's good. I like that, James. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for sending it in, Simovar. Um, if you have a question yourself, email minordetailspodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, send a voicemail one four six four six four nine four forty eleven. Yes. Uh, of course, every week we like to give a shout out of the week. Oh right! And this week we want to shout out uh, at Safa dot Sahin. Yes. S a f a dot s a h i n. Mm-hmm. And this is the head of sneaker design for Balmain. Balmain, which. Uh, I don't know what kind of brand that is. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but it looks like a good one. Some sort of luxury brand. Yes. Um, but their con- their shoe concepts are crazy. Yes. On Instagram. So many interesting ideas. I mean, I, like there's one uh, right here that's like, has like uh, some sort of foam bubbly sole on it. I don't know. Yeah, so the unique part about this, and and at least unique to to me, because I haven't really seen this in shoe design, is this designer um, uses a, Photoshop's and tweaks a lot of images and composes shoes out of them. So they're not like sketches; they're like but they collage. are they're collages. They are collages. I sketch. They they are sketches in the broad sense. Yes. Yes. So they but in the literal sense, like there's no pen to paper here. Right. But they, they, they take ideas. It composes ideas in a unique way using a, uh, something like Photoshop. Yeah. These high, he- there's a ton of high heels and they're looking really crazy. Yeah. Like this, this one had, he's like Photoshopped like a in statue. a Greek statue as, like an as the heel. And it looks like maybe some sort of architectural detail onto the front of the shoe it's i mean it's really they are stunning and very unique looking designs and it's an interesting way of composing design work rather than to just take pen to paper and try to you know this this almost goes back to what we were just talking about with like taking references in like in the public consciousness and incorporating them into the these designs yeah that's a cool technique um, like instead of sketching out your idea, take photos and collage it together. Yeah. So it's it's just a, a different way of achieving achieving a, a certain design, a certain feel. And I I look at these and it's very inspiring and unlike anything else you you will see. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, check it out at sa, safa dot sahin. Yeah. Um, and yeah, buy a pen on our website buy a pin get get nick some socks get, get me some socks um uh subscribe on youtube like yeah. like on itunes like speaking on YouTube. of youtube congratulations to ethan and Ela of h3h3 for their new child they, james is on the youtuber i game. am a registered Ela kleiner <laughs> and uh yeah so papa bless i think i wonder how many people will get this 
I, you know what? I bet, I bet half of them. I, when we were at Purdue, I had, I had a bunch of people talking to me about H three H three. I definitely feel like anyone younger than us would understand it, yeah. which I think is probably the majority. We had to look, we had to look back at our stats. I'm, a, I'm just an old geezer t- trying to uh, connect <laughs> to the younger generations. Um, uh, what else? Uh, yeah. Join so Discord. Join the Discord. Join the, the Spotify. Uh, Apple Podcasts, five star. Here's another thing. On the YouTube, if you hit the, there's a notification button. Oh, yeah, button. click the alarm button. Click we're, going, the, we're going there, James? Click the alarm button, because how else should are you going to know? Should we point on the video to where it is? Just like click, the YouTubers Click do. the link. I think it's right here, Smash right? that like button. Um, and uh, <laughs> All right, guys. All right, guys. Anyway, m- intro and outro by Kiyoshi the Kid. Yes. And as always, I'm at Nick P. Baker. And I'm at I Draw and Receipts. Peace out. Later.